Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. As a licensed professional, we are bound by an oath to uphold specific standards of professional responsibility, and we have a moral obligation to our community, our employer, fellow employees, our patients, as well as our family and ourselves. Our ADHA Code of Ethics provides us with the ethical framework to make great decisions that protect the health, safety, and well-being of all the patients that we serve. In this episode, we will review the Dental Hygienist Code of Ethics to provide the dental hygienist with a guideline on how to navigate an ethical dilemma. We're going to follow that framework and use the decision-making model to collect information, to weigh out our options, to make an informed decision, implement decision, and make a final evaluation of that decision. Before we can make an ethical decision based solidly on ethical principles and theories, we need to understand those theories. And the best way to start is to define ethics. Now, a simple definition of ethics is the determination between what is right and what is wrong. And more important between those two considerations is the how. How do we decide between the actions to make the determination of what is right or wrong? or to move forward with an action or a decision. Now, there are several ethical theories that we use as a framework, as well as the decision-making model to avoid a single strategy of using our intuition to make decisions. Because we all come with our own set of beliefs and values, our intuition may fall into a variety of moral possibilities So it's important that we use the theories and principles to guide us through the decision-making process. Now, ethical principles are generalized ideals that are genuinely agreed upon, and they can cross theoretical boundaries. It's important to have an understanding of ethical theories because those impact the principles and the decision-making. Let's briefly review the theories that impact the ethical principles as it relates to dental hygiene. Utilitarianism puts the primary focus on our actions and the consequences around those actions. The intentions are relevant in this theory. This theory is based upon the idea that actions perceived by a person should be measured in terms of the level of happiness or pleasure that is produced from this action. Happiness is our motivation and drive around this theory. The drive is to seek pleasure and avoid pain for both ourselves and the community around us. This theory has a larger focus on the group and less focus on our own interests. As utilitarian, our decisions are a result made from the position of a spectator who is advising a group without emotion 
and this allows for a non-biased and fair decision or outcome. To sum it all up in any given situation, if you are following the utilitarianism theory, you should choose the action that produces the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Sounds great, right? But sometimes this decision can seem wrong. Another view of utilitarianism theory is that when a decision seems wrong, it says that we should live by rules that are likely to lead to the greatest good for the greater number of people. But there may be situations where you have to think more broadly about the decision being made. Next, let's talk about virtue ethics. Now, virtue ethics puts its focus on character rather than guiding principles or rules. The theory states that if our primary focus is to be a good person, then the right things will happen. Now, with virtue ethics, there's an assumption that humans behave a specific way and that we have fixed functions. Some of our functions involve rational thought and desires. In this theory, we define virtue as doing the right thing at the right time with good judgment. There's predictability of good behavior, and it creates good decision-making. Some virtue traits include things like courage, the idea that you will have the courage to take the right action in a specific situation. Now, the ability to know the right way to act in each situation is where the courage comes from. Now, virtue ethics as it relates to honesty is knowing how to deliver the difficult truth or offer criticism in a way that is graceful, constructive, like you're breaking bad news in a really nice way. You're providing just the right amount of the golden mean in any given situation. This theory indicates virtue as a developed skill that can only be learned through experience or practical wisdom. Habits and role-playing are the tools that we can use to build virtuous behaviors. This theory does rely on the principle that when we are making decisions from a place of virtue, we will make the right decisions and do the right thing. Justice is the third theory to understand before we discuss our ethical principles. Justice can be challenging to define. But the most common way to define justice is fairness. Now, consider your thoughts on how you would define justice, and this is important. Is it about fairness for you? Is it about equality, opportunity, getting what we deserve, some form of entitlement, or getting what we need? Some people define justice as harmony or freedom. Now, what is important for you as an individual to understand about justice is that your definition of what justice means to you will define how you think society should work. So it's really important for you to spend some time to really understand how you define justice. And it's important when you're working through the decision-making process because justice can be complex by definition and personal perspective. So let's divide justice up a little further to develop a clear understanding of the theory. Justice can be looked at as equality, and this is the idea or belief that everyone should get the same kind of stuff and the same amount of stuff, whether that be opportunity, services, education, things like that, etc. 
Now, the argument to this theory is, does everyone really need the same stuff? And this gives rise to justice as a need, meaning that people should only get what they need, and those who need more, get more. While some feel this is an unfair way to implement justice, this gives rise to merit-based justice, and that provides an equality based on which each person deserves or has earned. So this view provides you with stuff based on what you have done or what you have earned, rewarding people that provide society with hard work and a good work ethic and punishes those who do not contribute. The last definition of justice I'd like to discuss is justice as fairness. This view believes that any equality or inequality that exists in a social system should focus resources on the least well-off because it levels off the playing field of society and empowers the opportunities for those who would otherwise not have it. Now, justice as fairness brings balance to a society and compensates for the disadvantages. Many believe that in healthcare, for example, that healthcare is a human right and access to adequate care is a basic need that should be met. Now, this view creates obligations from providers to meet those needs. This is an area where justice as fairness creates debate and conversation that reverts back to the previous components of justice, need-based, merit-based, or freedom-based. It's important for you to put some thought into just what you think and feel about justice and how you perceive fairness in society. Ethics provides us with guidelines and a framework on conduct for upholding the highest standards in providing care for our patients. The core values of the Code of Ethics help us in the decision-making process when we are faced with an ethical dilemma. Autonomy is known as self-governance. We are obligated to our patients to provide them with their treatment needs and then allow them the freedom to consider their options. What are their needs? What are their desires? And what are their abilities to make an informed decision. They need to be part of the process of making those decisions about their treatment. As a dental hygienist, we want to avoid paternalism and allow the patient to choose their path after we've provided them with the information. Veracity is an obligation to be truthful and honest in everything that we do. We are obligated to have integrity when we are communicating with our patients and providing care and services to them. Veracity also includes the most current research trends and standards of care for our patient. We have to stay current in our knowledge and understanding. We have to provide a research-based dental diagnosis, and this is an obligation of our profession. Beneficence is defined as to do good and to promote the health and well-being of our patients and the community. It is our duty to act for the benefit of others. We must follow the rules and regulations and remain professional. 
We are also obligated to provide treatment in a timely manner and provide patient with a priority of their treatment needs. Another part of beneficence is to practice within our scope and follow the rules and regulations, even outside of our professional responsibilities. This is included in beneficence. It's to maintain current treatment protocols, which are evidence-based, and to maximize the benefits to patients while minimizing harm. Another component of beneficence is reporting abuse and neglect. As a dental care provider, we are mandated reporters and must comply with this rule. Non-maleficence is defined as to do no harm. We take a dental oath to refrain from any action that may harm a patient. This code protects patients from harm. We are required to refer patients when needed in order to allow for comprehensive treatments. Patient abandonment and personal relationships also fall under this code. Providers must notify a patient that they are dismissing them from services. Personal relationships should also be guided by a framework in order to avoid conflict or trust issues. We are obligated to refer our patients in order to maintain the highest level of oral health. Providers that are practicing under an impairment also fall under non-maleficence. We want to do no harm to our patients, so you need to follow this code. Justice provides all dental care with fairness, and this idea is to promote equality without prejudice. Dentists are allowed some reasonable discretion, but are not allowed to refuse treatment based on race or ethnicity. When you are trying to make an ethical decision based on the discovery that you are in an ethical dilemma, where do you start? You want to look at your code of ethics, maybe get some advice from peers or superiors. You may even need to seek legal advice. I want you to consider the importance of your own critical thinking skills, your intuition or gut feelings and then consider the ethical decision-making steps. Step one would be to identify the problem. You need to make a determination if there's an actual ethical dilemma. Is this a lack of standard of care? And if the principles are not in conflict, then is the question of right or wrong? Step two is to collect the information. This is the what, the when, the why, the how, and the who of your decision-making process. Step three is to state your options. List out your alternatives. Brainstorm options that maybe you didn't initially consider. And when you're doing this, keep an open mind. Step four is to apply the ethical principles to your options. Focus on the basic principles and core values, autonomy, beneficence, justice, and non-maleficence. And think about the values, paternalism, confidentiality, and informed consent. You want to list out the pros and cons of your options. Step five would be to make a decision. Put the patient's interests first. 
Weigh out the positive and negatives. Justify your chosen action. Can that action be defended on the grounds of moral principles and values? And then step six would be to implement your decision. Always reevaluate once you've implemented your decision to make sure that you've made the right choice. Once you have a good understanding of ethical principles and the code of ethics, you can use those to help discuss your assessment findings with your patient, communicate treatment needs, understand how to perform only what is legally allowed within your scope of practice, and use your professional judgment. You wanna make sure that you inform your patient of your findings, have clear communication with them, and you will use the components of ethical principles with each patient that you treat. Thanks for listening today. In the next episode, we're going to be covering the muscles of facial expression and mastication. So you won't want to miss that. It might be a review of oral anatomy for you, or it might be new information. Either way, it's important for you to understand the origin, insertion, and action of all of the muscles of facial expression. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast. Thank you.